Hello and welcome to Definitions, the podcast where we crack the lid of the coffin on death, dying and all the morbid morsels in between. Before we go any further, halt and take heed. These are your words of warning. I will be discussing topics of a deathly nature that may be upsetting to some, including in this episode discussions of suicide. If you're not in the right headspace to get down and dirty with the maggots today, then that's fine. I totally get it. Sometimes you'd rather dig into cake in a good romance novel than a freshly dug grave. Now's your time to save yourself. If you're still here, I'll assume you've got your shovels at the ready. And believe me, you'll need them. Because today I'm asking the question, what is natural burial? According to the UK government, natural burial is a term used to describe the burial of human remains, where the burial area creates habitat for wildlife or preserves existing habitats, woodland, species-rich meadows, orchard, etc. Sustainably managed farmland, in situ or adjacent aquatic habitats, or improves and creates new habitats, which are rich in wildlife, flora and fauna. Where a funeral precedes such burial, it would typically seek to minimise environmental impact. Forests have long been places where humanity has found peace and solitude. They are full of mystery and depth. We tell the changing of the seasons by the falling of leaves, and in Britain, our mythology is deeply rooted in the copses and brush of our ancient woodlands. We've looked to trees as soothsayers, healers, even historical weathermen. According to folklore, the English oak could predict rainy weather for the summer. If the oak before the ash, then we'll only have a splash. If the ash before the oak, then we'll surely have a soak. For the yew tree, its folk connections to death and immortality have been marked by its being founded in at least 500 churchyards across the UK, possibly dating back to a time before the churches that sit close by, indicating them playing a role in even older funeral practices. It's thought that ewes were planted over the graves of plague victims to protect and purify. Others have found themselves called to these verdant places for much darker reasons. Aokigahara Forests in Japan is notorious as a place where people have gone to take their own lives. It's not known the exact amount of people, as the forest itself is so large and so dense with trees that some will simply never be found, and the Japanese government stopped publishing the numbers in 2017. But annual searches are still carried out for the deceased of Aokigahara, and have been held since 1970. There are not many places in our busy world where one can get truly lost, or where you can find yourself without the busy roar of traffic and the bustle of life, or as many a horror film will remind you, the modern day terror of no phone signal. I'm not judging, I'd be bricking it too. The forest moves at its own ancient pace. It is interconnected and alive and taps into the part of us that still believes 
in the witch in the woods fairy rings and the feeling that despite all our advancements and curiosity compared to some of these age-bent monoliths we are still so young that there are things we do not know and yet we are made of the same stuff our physical makeup may be different but the atoms we are borrowing for our time on earth are the same as theirs maybe there's a reason we long to go back to the forest the burying of our dead is something which connects civilizations the world over and across time this alongside other funerary and mourning practices is something which separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom yes it's true that crows will gather round and mourn their fallen brethren and that there have been reports of whale mothers carrying the corpses of their infants but from burial mounds of the anglo-saxons to the underground tombs of the pharaohs and a multitude of other funeral practices along the way we have consistently buried our dead for around 130,000 years. Today, when we think of burial, it tends to conjure images of rows of headstones reading RIP, surrounded by wilting flowers and neatly mown grass. This regimented way of interring our dead is steeped in religious and cultural tradition, and though over half of us in the UK are now choosing cremation, don't worry, we'll come back to the practice of burning bodies in a future episode. There has been a rise of people wanting more green and eco-friendly options, or who simply feel a desire to return the macrobiome of their body back to nature after death. It's true that practices such as embalming our dead or placing them in coffins with non-biodegradable parts have an impact on the planet. Not to mention the byproducts of cremation. Even being buried six feet under puts you at a depth below most of the creatures that are waiting to assist with decomposition. But people have a right to the funeral which is best for them and their loved ones. We don't often get to choose how or when we die, and so being able to make decisions about what happens to us afterwards can be healing and is very important. On that same note, what is important to some is finding a way for their death to give back or for themselves to return to the earth in the simplest way possible. Surrounded by trees or in an area that by nature of it being a burial ground becomes protected and from there a place where plants and wildlife can thrive. Sometimes known as green burial, eco burial or woodland burial, the main idea behind a natural interment is to be laid to rest in such a way that decay is uninhibited. This may be via not being embalmed, being placed in a linen shroud, or wearing clothes and being laid to rest in a coffin made from entirely biodegradable material. So what do you need to set up a natural burial ground? Well, the considerations are much the same as for a traditional or ecclesiastical ceremony. You'll need a defined area for the graves to go, grave diggers, and of course, clientele preferably uh, of the deceased variety. For a green burial ground, you may also need to provide a mission statement for the land you have chosen. You may also have to think about accessibility for mourners. If there are no regimented grave markers, how will you locate a grave if an exhumation is requested? What kind of memorials will there be, if any? 
Some natural burial grounds may choose not to have any kind of headstone due to the environmental cost of the stone itself, which is often shipped over from abroad. Others may offer the planting of trees specifically for the deceased, in which case you may have to consider which trees you should offer, though most likely it will be a choice of local species, possibly decided by the Forestry Commission. But enough about what it takes to run a natural burial ground or information about it. What are they like to actually be there? Let me take you on a journey. There's a cold wind and I'm zipped up into my jacket. Despite knowing I would be out under the elements, I vainly chose style over practicality and I'm wondering if I'll regret leaving my raincoat at home. Still, I can always nip back to the car. But as soon as I get under the canopy of the trees, I'm not thinking about that anymore. On my right is the border of a field where the trees end and a hill covered with Scotland's signature yellow gorse bushes steeply rises into the sky. Despite the cold and the threat of rain, the sun is shining and for now the clouds have been blown, rolling into the distance. I can't remember at this moment the last time I was in a wood, surrounded by the gently arcing bodies of these leafy giants. My guess is at least three years, since before the pandemic, and I feel safe, sheltered. It's a calming, soothing feeling. I can breathe. It may be quiet, but Binningwood is far from dead. Aside from the chatter and occasional burst of squawking laughter that must frighten a couple of birds from the trees, mostly, we just walk. Myself and my best friend. We pick little pine cones from the hills of mossy ground beneath our feet and pocket them to save for later. They whisper the beginnings of projects and ideas to me from the unzipped chest pocket of my jacket. In this tree-filled world, where time stretches and warps, anything is possible. We aren't aimlessly wandering though. We're here with purpose, to find Binningwood. Not the wood itself as a whole, but the natural burial ground that resides within it. We follow the signs across muddy paths and along the winding tracks of weekend walkers and their dogs. We find ourselves in a circular area not quite a clearing where a small hut sits and where, during office hours, someone sits and looks after Binningwood's less leafy residents. The dead. The burial ground itself looks not much different to the rest of the wood, save for the clearing away of underfoot vegetation, where, instead, the leaves that fell in the autumn and winter lie in drifts under the bare arms of the trees. It's as though the buried dead are slumbering under crackling duvets that shift under my feet, tucked in by the trees. There are no large headstones here. Any marks of remembrance lay flush to the ground themselves, some sporting a fuzzy green blanket of lichen. Benches are set sporadically in a hand-carved style that reveals the natural curves of the wood. This place is beautiful and peaceful, but it does raise a few questions. 
How accessible is this for anyone in a wheelchair? If you have to drive out here, how green can this burial ground truly be? These are all valid questions, but I don't think they undermine the overall mission of what natural burial grounds are trying to achieve. You may be hard pressed to orchestrate a funeral that is 100% without a carbon footprint, and maybe you're eco-conscious, but a natural burial ground just isn't for you. But don't worry, there are other ways to give a green twist to your funeral. Like I mentioned earlier, whether it's being aware of what you're putting in the ground, be it certain embalming fluids, the materials of clothing, or what your coffin is made from, each of these decisions can be made with the earth that you're placed into in mind. And there are other green funeral options that are becoming available. Human composting has been legalized in six US states so far, including California and New York. It's essentially a process where the body is placed in a pod that speeds up decay and breaks down the body, which is then returned to the family as soil instead of, say, the ashes that cremation creates. I would highly recommend Googling some of the concept art for human composting. It's very modern, it's very sleek, has somewhat of a beehive aesthetic, I suppose, but overall, it's very cool. Alongside this, in 2022, South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu was cremated. But not with fire, with water. Aquamation, or alkaline hydrolysis, its technical name, has been used to dispose of the bodies of animals for years, and in the early 2010s began to creep into the minds of some of those in the funeral industry. Using a mixture of water and very strong alkali, the body is then submerged and put in a pressured chamber and heated. Rather than burning everything, the process here is to liquefy until you are left with just the bones. According to Resumation, who advocate for the legalization of aquamation. Water cremation has the lowest overall impact on the environment. I suggest checking out their website for more information. I'll put it in the uh, show notes, don't worry. So there you have it. I hope I've piqued your curiosity about natural burial or even just about alternatives to the traditional. We live such individual lives it's only right that our deaths are allowed to be that way too. For more on sustainable funeral practices and ideas, I recommend checking out The Order of the Good Death, who campaign tirelessly to open doors, educate and advocate for greener burials. Now it's time to pop down your shovel and take a breather. If you have any thoughts to share about the podcast or your own impending mortality, drop them in the comments or over on TikTok at Definitions, where I also chronicle and recommend all of my favourite morbid books. Any reviews or ratings will go a long way in helping to get this podcast out there, and I greatly appreciate your support. The Definitions podcast is research written and read by me, Jasper Chanter, with music provided by Zapsplat. Anyway, chop chop, breaks over, pick that shovel back up, that grave's not gonna dig itself. Until next time, my morbid friends and familiars. Catch you on the other side.